You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I was cheated by you and I think you know when. So I made up my mind it must come to an end. Hi. I'm Andrew Child, and welcome to 50 Key Stage Musicals, the podcast, a companion piece to the Routledge Press publication, 50 Key Stage Musicals, which is available for purchase by going to routledge.com or clicking the link below in today's show description. Today's episode focuses on Chapter 43, Mamma Mia, and with us today is author of that chapter, Malcolm Womack. Malcolm Womack. Hey, Malcolm (laughs) Womack is an assistant teaching professor at the Penn State School of Theater. He has been published in the academic journals Film and Theater and the Journal of Popular Culture and has contributed several entries to the African-American National Biography. Malcolm has written about Mamma Mia previously twice, providing an article for the journal Studies in Musical Theater and a chapter for the edited collection Mamma Mia! The Movie, Exploring a Cultural Phenomenon. He received his doctorate from the University of Washington with a dissertation on Harlem's Cotton Club. Malcolm, I'm excited to talk with you today. Well, I'm excited too, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so could you please tell our listeners a little bit about what is your connection with the show in question today, Mamma Mia? Okay. Um, well, I remember seeing Mamma Mia when I was in grad school uh, uh-huh. in Las Vegas. And I remember seeing it with a bunch of sneering grad students. And when we left, they were very you know, superior to it. It's fluff, it's nonsense, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And all I could think was, you know, we talk a lot about rejecting the patriarchy. This is a show that literally rejects the patriarchy. <laughs> this is a show about a young woman and all she cares about is being a man's daughter and being another man's wife. Her mother has killed herself raising her, but she doesn't care about mom. She cares about these three men. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the end of the show, and I'm sorry to you know, give away the ending of Mama Mia, but I think that's probably all right. I think we'll By the end it. of the show, okay, good. Um, she doesn't care who her father is. She doesn't care which one of these three knuckleheads is her father. Mm-hmm. She's not going to marry Sky. They're going to. She loves him. They're going to go off and have adventures. They walk on an attractive bridge together off into the sunset. But she's going to be her own person. She's not a man's daughter. She's not a man's wife. And I swear, I thought, you know, if they were doing this show at a, like a loft downtown, in a very political, you know, theater company mm-hmm. with music of Kurt Vile in the background, people would be writing doctoral dissertations on this thing. But because it's silly, because it's ABBA, because there's, you know, white platform boots and knowing me, knowing you, people turn their nose up at it. And I, I think it is one of the most, and I'm, I'm not even kidding when I say this, one of the most aggressively feminist musicals of the last 30 years. That's, a, that's my take on Mamma Mia. And so you have just from 
seeing it, being in the audience, just sort of having this belief system about it. You've mm. gotten to write about this musical multiple times, it seems like. Yeah, I've uh, written a journal article about it. I wrote a chapter in a book about uh, an academic collection of essays about the movie. And now I was, you know, lucky enough to write in 50 key, mu uh, key stage musicals. Um, and I, I think it's, uh, this is going to get very grad school here. I think it's a very rich text. I think there's a lot more in Mamma Mia than just, you know, seeing a bunch of goofballs singing Dancing Queen. I, I think it is you know, Jill Dolan talks about the kind of feminism that sneaks its way into the mainstream. And I think mm -hmm. that's totally what Katherine Johnson and Judy Kramer did with the show. Do you think, do we miss all of that just because so many people turn their noses up at Mamma Mia because it's the jukebox musical, because it's the music of ABBA? I, I think you might be right about that. I mean, I suspect so. You look at these very intelligent New York Times theater critics and they... Mm -hmm kind of fall all over themselves to get their knives out and take shots at it. Um, even uh, the uh, first Broadway production, Ben Brantley gives it a pretty positive review and okay. still calls it a giant singing hostess cupcake, right? Mm. I, I think it's the pastels. I think it's the songs of ABBA. Um, I don't think it's crazy to say that it's a woman-centered piece mm -hmm. and the enthusiasms of men get lauded. The enthusiasms of women often get dismissed or ridiculed. Mm. Um, and, and, and I think it just, it sneaks in there so neatly. Um, so many of the songs have been repurposed for this show in, in mm -hmm. a very clever way. Uh, how, how speech making should I get, Andrew? Is this... You can go 100% speech making if you'd like okay. to defend Mamma Mia to us. <laughs> uh, to my last breath. Um, ABBA, uh, you know, Benny Anderson and Bjorn Ulvaeus uh -huh. wrote the songs, wrote the songs often for their their partners, then their girlfriends, then their wives, then their ex-wives, uh, Anfleet and Agnetha to sing. Okay. So mm -hmm. it's a ventriloquial act to begin with. It's men putting their words into the mouths of women and all songwriting's like that a little bit. But if you look at other bands or acts that had uh, married couples within them, like Fleetwood Mac mm -hmm. or the LA punk band X, the women in those bands wrote songs too. So their voices came out as well. Okay. Um, yeah. With ABBA, it's all Benny and Bjorn. And that's fine. They're good mm -hmm. songwriters. But the lyrics they're writing are um, for their wives to sing. Uh, Thank you for the music, the songs I'm singing. Thanks for all the joy they're bringing. Mm -hmm. They're creating their women as, um, hey, this, this relationship broke up, but it's nobody's fault. Um, they're, they're really taking a stab here. What Katherine Johnson does in repurposing these songs she takes a lot of these songs that are sung by the women originally and puts them in the mouths of her male characters. So uh, one character is, it's not a man who's, uh, it's not a woman who sings walking through an empty room, tears in my eyes. It's a man who sings that. And, and the most serious of the three men is mm -hmm. the, the architect, the, the soulful architect. The architect. Um, uh, does, your, does your mother know? That's Abba a huge has, change. Yeah, because... Look, Abba's already got Dancing Queen, only 17. So we've already got this kind of fantasy of teenage girls throwing themselves at men mm -hmm. and kind of winking at them. And, you know, but you're right. It's a totally huge change because now it's a woman totally emasculating a man. And right. even though that character is kind of a figure of fun in the show, a woman saying, you know, does your mother know you're out is a very different thing than Benny and, you know, kind of smiling knowingly at it. Right. So, 
do you think that this subversion was conscious on the part of the creators of this show? I do. Um, I think Katherine Johnson knew what she was doing in writing hmm. the show. Um, the one thing she was, uh, she was given pretty free reign. And, uh, you know, Benny and Bjorn had had a few stabs at, at trying to do a musical. They had one that was successful in Sweden, but never broke the UK or the States. Okay. They had chess, which is appreciated now, but at the time was kind of a, you know, a big money hairball. Right. Um, Didn't quite get a chapter in this book, but you, you cover it a little <laughs> bit in your chapter. And, and I love it. I love chess. Um, uh-huh. But boy, it's of its period. And mm-hmm. they kept rewriting it. And I, I think a concert version of chess is kind of the way to go. It's got some great songs in it. We'll give it that. It does have yeah. some good songs in it. For a lot of people, that's their first exposure to rap was hearing Murray Head rapping one night in Bangkok. Okay. You know, this is, it's the early 80s. So unless you're really kind of down with South Bronx and Boogie Down production, you're not <laughs> hearing a lot of rap until, you know, Bangkok oriental setting um, wow. shows up. Yeah, Benny and uh, Bjorn know popular music and they know what's going to be the next big thing. Um, mm. and, and you got to give them that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I do think the women involved knew what they were doing. They, uh, Benny and Bjorn said, don't take us too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, what we need is a good story and we don't want it to be about ABBA. And that's kind of the easy way out with these jukebox musicals, right? Is Right. Uh, Which we've well, seen so much more since Mamma Mia and the huge success of Mamma Mia. We've seen so many more jukebox musicals and a vast majority of them are biographical or tell the story of a certain group. Do you think our other shows, are they trying to emulate the success of Mamma Mia? I, I think I think they're trying to emulate the financial success. I mean, mm. it, it was a world beater in terms of money, in terms of international sales. Um, even, even the film, which, you know, has its moments. Um, mm-hmm. uh, made a ton of money to the point where they even wrote a sequel, which right. a baffling sequel where we could get Cher singing Fernando. But the whole point of the first story is thrown out the window. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I, in the same way that, you know, uh, popular films are being turned into musicals. And in the past, it was always novels or stage plays turned into musicals. I, I think people want the familiar property. Mm-hmm. I think now so many recording artists and their um uh, their agents are opening up the songbooks to allow the possibility of a successful stage production. Mm-hmm. Um, Jersey Boys does it really well. Jersey Boys gives Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons a narrative they never had before. Mm. Um, and so that's that's great. But a lot of them, uh, like you talk about, um, uh, they, they haven't been as successful because then, you know, a, an Elvis uh, thing, a Johnny Cash thing. I might as well be, you know, watching Legends in Concert, watching right. a really right. polished Elvis impersonator. Right. Um, so, Do you think, uh, is there something from Mamma Mia that producers who are trying to have the next big jukebox hit, is there something from Mamma Mia that they should be paying more attention to than just the fact that we love the songs of ABBA. We love seeing them tell a story. Is there something else, some other truth that Mamma Mia stumbled upon or actively pursued that producers should be thinking about? Yeah. And if I, if, you know, if I knew the answer to that, you know, uh-huh. I'd, I'd be a millionaire. Um, doing it. Yeah. 
I, I think timing has a lot to do with it. I think okay. big fans of ABBA knew the ABBA catalog. Have, have you seen the show on stage? I've never seen, seen the show on stage. Never. But big fan okay, of the so movies. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what it would be like now. When I saw it right after it, you know, premiered, most people, unless you were a big ABBA fan, you knew Dancing Queen. You knew uh -huh. the song Dancing Queen, and that was it. And as the show goes on, and as the opening bars of these different songs play, and you can hear a murmur of recognition in the audience. Oh, the, the, yeah, I'd forgotten that was an ABBA song. Knowing me, knowing you. SOS. How, how could I forget mm -hmm. SOS? Money, money, money. And... You know, the crowd wasn't screaming, but you could feel it and you could hear, oh. And I don't know that we're going to get that so often. In, in a large part, I don't know that a lot of these acts have the kind of catalog that ABBA has. Has this, you know, laundry list of hit songs. Mm -hmm. um, I think what would be useful for producers that are trying to emulate the success of uh, Mamma Mia to keep in mind is... You know, I, I think Katherine Johnson, the, uh, the book writer, does a brilliant job of walking the line between the very familiar, we understand the story, it never gets too cloying, it can get in the neighborhood of it, but, and I'm sure there are productions where it's just saccharine, but it never gets too cloying, mm -hmm. but we have these new characters that we can appreciate. Um, now, I, I teach uh, at Penn State, like you said, I've had college kids come up to me and say, oh, you know, I, I, love, I love that song. Um, I don't know, uh, take a chance on me. It always makes me think of uh, Donna and her funny friends. And, <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't, you know, at Studio 54 in the 70s. I'm not that old, but uh -huh. these songs have been removed from ABBA and placed into this, you know, musical theater context. Mm. I don't know that we're going to see that with Holler If You Hear Me, the Tupac Shakur musical, okay. or Ring of Fire, the Johnny Cash musical. Mm. Um, and, and going back to Jersey Boys, giving them a narrative, we've already got a narrative for the Beatles. We know their story. We, we know right. Elvis's story. And, well, I you know, think what you were talking about with this sort of, you know, having tons and tons of hits that sometimes we hear it and we say, oh, that's ABBA. I feel mm -hmm. like the only other show that comes to mind that had the potential to go there was uh, the Carol King musical, which, again, came under fire for great, we love these songs. Do we really want to see a Carole King impersonation act? Do we really want to see this like fraught book played out before us, you know? Not that that show wasn't yeah. financially successful, but artistically, it did kind of come under fire. No, you make a really good point because there's there are so many familiar songs from Tapestry that I know I wouldn't immediately go, oh, that's a Carole King song. Right. You know? But once I heard it, uh, oh, there it that is. Or songs that she was writing that were made popular by someone else, you know, that mm -hmm. we don't even know her recordings of it if she has a recording of it, you know. So do you think that because of everything we've talked about thus far alone, is that enough to quantify Mamma Mia as one of 50 key stage musicals? Oh, I get. No, I mean, it depends on how we're going to define key. I guess. Um, I, I don't know if it should be in the canon the same way that I don't know Carousel should be. Okay. Um, but in terms of of casting a shadow over the American musical, and by the American musical, we're talking Broadway. We're talking mm -hmm. a for-profit New York-specific theater institution. Mm -hmm. 
uh, yeah, producers have been falling over themselves to grab the brass ring. It, it's, it, it has been so financially successful that, you know, I, in the UK, we have, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Um, Our House, The Madness Musical. We've had uh, a musical uh, based on the Spice Girls written by Jennifer Saunders. So, you know, wow, a, a smart, funny woman. Uh-huh. But but in the States, what, we think of three Spice Girls songs, you know? Right. Um, uh, and I, I think that, that so many acts that have a glancing familiarity with the, with the public, a couple of number ones and a few albums and maybe a greatest hits collection, mm-hmm. um, they suddenly they're all very interested, you know, Green Day, Green Day does a musical and, and they're, right. not, they're not the biggest gutter punks in the world. I mean, these are three guys that asked permission to smash their instruments on Saturday Night Live. So <laughs> we're not exactly talking about the Sex Pistols here, uh-huh. but I mean, this, they have, you know, uh, the very successful American Idiot, you know. Do you think, are there other jukebox musicals that have followed Mamma Mia that you ha- have an equal love for or an equal respect for or holds in as high of a regard? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, to kick around Jersey Boys. Um, Jersey okay. Boys is very good at what it does. Um, it's very solid and people have such love for it. Um, I, I never saw Ring of Fire, the Johnny Cash musical or Holler If You Hear Me, the Tupac Shakur musical, but it, it they're hard to imagine. Um, hmm. Johnny, you know, people can imitate Elvis and people can try to imitate Johnny Cash, but Johnny Cash's voice is so distinctive right. that to turn that into a story would be tough. And hip hop is always going to be a problem because once someone's covering a, a, you know, a rap number, then all the authenticity goes and the perceived authenticity goes. Mm. We have an expectation in hip hop that it's a direct communication from somebody mm. who's spitting the rhymes, who's written this poetry to us. Um, you know what I think is, it, it's, you know, in terms of tone, it's the diametric opposite of Mamma Mia, uh-huh. but Girl from the North Country. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, which is, you know, um, a grim, a grim, sad, <laughs> I'm using somebody else's line, in the words of our former president, sad, exclamation <laughs> point. It is a sad musical, uh-huh. um, but using Dylan's songs and incorporating them into a narrative, um, I think it's very successful. Mm. So it's, again, it's, we're thinking it's more successful because it's taking the songs that already exist and infusing them into a story. And I'm not sure, was that ever done before Mamma Mia? That we know of? Yeah, uh, I mean, like the, the, uh, Beggar's Opera, John Gay's Beggar's Opera in the 1700s, taking popular music and sticking them in a play. Okay. Um, so, but in the 20th century, mm-hmm. um, not, I mean, you, you think about shows like Five Guys Named Mo, kind of. Okay. Um, and then we get to a lot of, you know, Smokey Joe's Cafe. Like a, a review kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, I'm not a playwright, but I think there'd be some kind of pleasure in making the jigsaw puzzle of I've got all these songs and I need to tell a story and I need mm-hmm. to stick them in there. Um, I can't think of anything, but boy, I'm sure there must be. Do you have any artists in mind who you think would make a good jukebox musical? 
Like, is there an album catalog out there that you think would tell a great story? I'm, I hadn't thought about this. Okay. Cab Calloway would be my first thing. Um, okay. If we, but then the hell of it is, is that do we have a Cab Calloway Mankey character, right? Because Cab's kind of familiar. And so mm-hmm. do we have just some guy with his hair, you know, fried and slicked dancing right. around saying hi, 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 um, or do we spread it out? Because that's, you know, part of the thing, uh, that Mamma Mia does so well is it spreads these songs out and reimagines them through the gender swap. Um, it's hard to see a Cab Calloway musical where there's eight different people singing, you know, the ghost of Smokey Joe and uh, mm. kicking the gong around. Um, I'm, I'm working on that. Do you have an idea for that? What do you think would be a good you know, band to I, turn into a musical? I don't have an idea for that uh, because... I mean, it's also hard because I feel like it's all been done, you know, whether it makes it to Broadway or it makes it to the West End or just somewhere out there. I feel like anyone who has five or six albums that people are going to recognize songs from, someone's done it. Someone's snatched it up. Um, Maybe Lady Gaga is the last holdout in popular music. But, you know, with with the MJ musical and the Britney Spears one in the works, like I feel like. It, we're really we're exhausting everyone <laughs> we're going through everything i think it's also it kind of when you were talking about cab calloway when we have these iconic looking and iconic behaving characters that it's like you're not going to do the share show and have it be some other character singing shares songs you know we run into an issue when it's someone like britney or it's someone like mj who are shrouded in so much controversy or who we already are, you know, familiar with their narratives. Yeah. Uh, do you think the MJ show can survive the controversy? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they, that one is crazy to me because they stacked it with every possible highbrow name you could imagine. When I saw that they had Lynn Nottage writing that book, you know, I was like, <laughs> Are you joking? Are you kidding me? I'd love to know how much they paid her, you know, Um, because, you know, everything about everything she's ever done feels like it tells me she knows that that's not her rising star. That's not going to be her next Tony. That's not going to be her next Pulitzer, you know. (laughs) Um, So I just wonder how much did they slap on Lynn Nottage's desk and say, just make this work, make this happen and avoid, you know, we're not going to go up to when he gets controversial, you know? Right. If we can even say he was ever, you know, not controversial. There's so much there with like putting children on stage with his father, you know, like yeah, so much stuff there. Do you have thoughts about that? I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But if you have thoughts about the MJ musical. Look, I'm trying to write a book about the TV show I Spy starring Bill Cosby. And, (laughs) And so this is an idea of, is this character too toxic that no matter no matter what they meant at a certain point and what they did for, for the black community, mm-hmm. um, what they brought to America, um, their gifts, their talent, the amount of love people had for them. Mm. Have we hit a point now where, yeah, none of that matters um, because some bad stuff happened. Uh, some, and I, I, I don't mean to be making light of that. Some no, really no, right, right. Uh, and does that totally negate 
everything yeah. does it negate everything for now does it negate everything forever ad infinitum like in perpetuity um but that will be interesting you know as we're recording this just to see what happens with the mj musical do you have thoughts about if there are listeners who aren't familiar with mamma mia what's the best way to get into this show how should they approach it uh with a with a light heart and an open mind um because it's it's not the most challenging piece of theater you're ever going to see. Uh, it's, you know, it is what it is. And right now, you know, high schools are doing Mamma Mia. I think colleges are doing Mamma Mia. So the rights are out there. Um, it would be fun to see it on a big stage. But, you know, I, I imagine there are some high school productions of Mamma Mia that are just delightful. Mm. Where, where these kids are, are singing the hell out of these songs that they love. And, uh, and it's a, it's a, it'll be a great time. Um, I, I, I know I started this thing by talking about, I don't know, cultural feminism and the poison pill that dismantles the patriarchy, but don't go in with that attitude thinking that that's what this is going to be. This is going to be the bloody raised fist. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a light and fun show. And there are some jokes that work and some jokes that are so corny that I can't imagine anybody making them work. Um, there are a few cop-outs. Look, the song Super Troopers is in it. And there's no way to get the song Super Troopers in the show unless you say, um, she was in a band and this was their big hit. And so, Great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but I would say that if you're somebody who's listening to a podcast about musicals mm-hmm. and you haven't seen Mamma Mia yet, oh, go see it. It's um, mm. Your friends who don't like musicals will point to that and go, that's why I don't like musicals. But, but if you like musicals, it, it, it's going to be a, a ton of fun. I also think I just in my own experience, I think we can exclusively say that people who hate musicals, this is an example of why, because I feel like I know so many people who have never been in a theater in their lives. But if Mamma Mia comes on tour, they get out their boa and they show, (laughs) you know, they want to see because they care about ABBA. They care about this music. You know, they love the movie, maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think, because you sort of mentioned this a little bit, we've got some songs in there that are only in there because they can be, you know, the diegetic music. Is that mm-hmm. is that a cop-out for a jukebox musical to be doing? Or do we think, you know, if you want to get the song in there, that's fair. We love it. We buy it. We'll take it. I, I think it's a cop-out. Yeah, I, I totally okay. agree. <laughs> I, think, I think that if, because... That is the, you know, that's Occam's razor. That's the easiest way to get from point A to point B. I got to write a musical that's got the songs of, I don't know, you 2 in it. Uh, mm. So it's going to be a musical about an Irish band. You know, it's it's the easiest way to get that music in there. Um, U2 actually might be, they got a big catalog. They might that's true. Sure. That hasn't happened yet? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I, it might not have happened yet. That, But it, it, that sounds like something that could have happened and maybe it fizzled out somewhere, you know, like... They got the marquee up and it went down, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. One of my favorite things with Mamma Mia, and this might totally be a dead end that we don't talk about if you haven't seen it, but you already mentioned Jennifer Saunders. Um, did you ever see when she and Don French did a parody, not of the movie, but of the making of the movie for um, the, what's it called, comic release? Red Nose Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you uh-huh. ever see that? 
I, I did remind me about it though. I remember the Swede joke. Um, this, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> um, that's the only thing I remember. They um they play up exactly like everything you're sort of talking about. They make the tagline for the movie the you know the music of ABBA with words in between. You know, like it is. <laughs> it really is a beautiful uh, skewering of that movie that I totally think like American comedians could never have pulled that off. Because I think Jennifer Saunders is one of the only performers out there smart enough to say, I'm going to parody Meryl Streep and I'm right. going to take her down. You know, like she really <laughs> does this not flattering performance. But once you see it, it's like, she's not wrong. She's doing exactly what Meryl does in the movie. And I feel like in America, we could never get away with that. You would just have to, you know, parody the fact oh isn't it funny that Meryl Streep did this movie but Jennifer mm -hmm. Saunders is able to just say you know what she wasn't that great in it <laughs> <laughs> well, and she's not wrong I mean no. uh Pierce Brosnan every I don't know anybody who doesn't like Pierce Brosnan everybody mm -hmm. loves Pierce Brosnan but there hits a point in that movie where oh god he's gonna sing again oh god yeah. bless him he, yeah. Uh, uh, um yeah and French and Saunders have been doing movie parodies oh yeah for so long no you make a really good point is you don't think of mama mia as being you know sacred ground the people you know we, we can't uh right insult mama mia but i think you're absolutely right that a lesser comedian would um would treat meryl streep with kid gloves there which say uh, yeah we're we're maybe gonna make fun of the fact she's in the movie but we're not gonna tear apart what she does and i do you think that the movie is a good interpretation of the musical? Like, did it translate well? Um, well, two things. It made a ton of money and they made a sequel to it. Yep. The international yep. sales for that film were colossal. Um, so in that respect, yeah, it's, that's what the play is. Um, in terms of interpreting it, I don't know. I... I it's, it's a criticism you hear about actors sometimes is, oh, they look like they're having a good time. And I don't know that I felt that as much as I felt that watching that movie. And yeah, it looks like <laughs> Meryl Streep's having a ton of fun, but uh -huh. you know, I wish I was. Um, but right. I'm, I'm, I like her, so I'm glad she you know, had a nice vacation to the Mediterranean. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, it didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. um, I thought Amanda, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Seyfried? Seyfried? I, yeah. Um, one, one of those yeah she, she was lovely did a great job mm -hmm. uh some of the comedy worked some of it didn't and uh uh I, I was i was surprised it was as successful as it was okay. because i went to because look, i as i've been writing a lot about mama mia uh when the film came out i went to a midnight screening the day it opened wow because that felt like i should be on the <laughs> ground floor of this and this was you know it was a theater full of people that very much wanted to see Mamma Mia. Mm -hmm. And during the closing credits, when Donna and the Dynamos come out and Meryl Streep says, who wants to hear one more song? You could hear people in this room, big ABBA fans, big Mamma mm -hmm. Mia fans going, oh, no. no. <laughs> wow. They're getting mocked by people who went to the midnight showing of it. Jeez. Like, but, but then overseas sales, hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, a sequel to share. So and, the, and did you see the sequel? 
you know, I didn't. Uh, okay. I know yeah. that I know that Donna died and she gets married. And I thought, she, yeah, God, that's that's horrible. She does. Um, they only got one scene out of her. You know, I really do feel like maybe maybe she saw Jennifer Saunders impersonation and she said, I'm not doing the second. I'm not doing the sequel. But the sequel, I think the crazy thing about the sequel, which I went to maybe not opening night, but like in the first week, like I really was excited about the sequel. <laughs> um, the crazy thing is there weren't a ton of hit songs that didn't make it into the first movie. So, you know, they throw in Waterloo, they throw in Fernando, but then we get Dancing Queen again and they do Mamma Mia again. You know, they're reusing the same songs which is to remove it from already you've sort of analyzed the removal that it went through to be put into the show then to remove it and put it in the sequel to the movie is absurd um and i think the sequel is only worthwhile to see because they got a killer cast playing the younger versions of you know Pierce Brosnan and Meryl Streep and Christine Baranski and Julie Walters. And so seeing those people kind of do these like spot on impressions is fun. But other than that, it's and then share is fun. Spoiler. That's yeah. a real spoiler. If you don't know that share is coming, but uh, shares as the grandma is very fun. I'm curious. In the trailers. She was in the trailers. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's all I knew was that Cher was going to show up and sing Fernando. Um, and she released an ABBA album like as a companion to that, which I is, yeah, which is kind of fun. She did a bunch of covers of their songs, sort of. So she was apparently having maybe more fun than Meryl had in the first <laughs> one, you know? Um, well, she deserves it. Good for her. Yeah. Do you think, you know, we've, seen a spike since the non-professional licensing became available just a few years ago um, in colleges, high schools, community theaters doing Mamma Mia. Do you think this is a show that we will continue seeing produced at such a large scale? Yeah, I think it might be actually. I, I think because, uh, because the music is so strong because mm. it, and and it's it's not you know Handel's Messiah strong, but I mean it it these are some very solid pop songs that people mm. enjoy singing and enjoy hearing, and so uh, and, and like like you said you know the songs of Abbott with some words in between, and so on that level alone people are going to want to stage it so they can you know sing Dancing Queen and SOS and 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 people will enjoy seeing it. So I think and and also it's a woman centered show, and that's the thing with. Uh, so much non-professional musical theater mm -hmm. is you got, uh, you know, a century of shows that feature men and then a girlfriend and right. maybe a chorus line. And this is a bunch of women getting a bunch of songs. Mm. Uh, and, and so just the logistics of it make it appealing. Mm. Plus, I think, you know, when we start thinking through those sort of logistics, like it's a show you can do on one set with a couple pieces, you know, it really is this clean concise do you think would i don't know would mama mia as a concert hold the same charm or is this story really adding something here i think the story adds something to it i, I think that to do mama mia as a concert then you might as well just you know have an have a cover band okay. um uh we can see the platform shoes and the funny costumes and uh 
and, and there are a bunch of ABBA cover bands. I'm hmm. trying to remember some of their names because they're all terrible puns. Uh, oh, I'm sure. They're not coming to me. Um, but no, I, I mean, chess works. We were talking about that earlier as a concert uh-huh. piece because, you know, we're going to hear these these big sweeping songs, anthem, and, you know, um, uh, the duet between the two women. I know him so well. Oh, yeah, and the it, big and, one. And the big one. Uh, number one hit in the UK. Um, and that's great. Um, we, we, we don't need the, the overly complicated Cold War uh, chess defection <laughs> storyline. We'll be fine. So, okay, yeah. Um, it would be kind of silly to look at some very po-faced people getting in front of music stands and opening them up and then, you know, hearing dun, 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 um, you might as well do the show at this point. Do you think, or did you come across anything in your research for this chapter or for your multiple other times writing about Mamma Mia? <laughs> are there ABBA fans who dislike Mamma Mia? I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's not impossible, though. It's easy to imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like it has to exist. But maybe it's because this isn't some hard rocker thing that just sort of nudging it over to almost like a different sleeve of the dominant pop culture and making it a mega hit musical. But I feel like we always have detractors. I feel like I'm aware of Green Day fans who were infuriated that there was going to be a Broadway musical with their sacred music. Um, So I do wonder if there is anyone out there who's silly enough to be like an ABBA super fan, but not quite silly enough to say, I want to see this musical or I want to see Christine Baranski doing this song. (laughs) I I guess it seems unlikely because the, the, ABBA doesn't have that kind of, you know, teen angst. They spoke to me when I was, you know, 14, <laughs> suburban and bitter, uh, uh-huh. that, you know, that punk or a metal band has. Um, right. And I don't think an ABBA fan is the kind of person who's my favorite band. You've never heard of them. I don't right. think ABBA is this kind of niche thing to be. I, I imagine most ABBA fans are just delighted. That there's millions more ABBA fans and they get mm. to cheer and see. ABBA made a, you know, a comeback album. I don't know that they would have without Mamma Mia. And so... I get more music from Bjorn Ulvaeus and Benny Anderson. And, you know, uh, it's a good week for most you, But you're probably right. Were you into the, the, their... Sorry, oh, go sorry. ahead. No, I, you're probably right that there is somebody who, who has a great deal of importance to this music <laughs> and doesn't like show folk, you know, screwing it up. Were you a fan of the new album that came out? Uh, I... I uh, uh, no, not really. Okay. Um, I, I, I think they're uh, for, and this is just for me. Mm-hmm. For me, they are of their era. They are a lightning in the bottle band. They're you know, Eurovision and Waterloo, and then maybe up to '81 and the girl with the golden hair. Um, and you couldn't get two guys writing more successful, uh, popular music than these two guys. But that's that's where they live for. Um, okay. but that's that's totally my personal taste. Have you listened to the, the new album? Do you like it? I I could take it or leave it. I felt like yeah. I'm I like their music a lot. I like their old stuff. Um and then I didn't feel like I got anything new out of the new stuff. Like I didn't like I felt like this was 
I mean, ironically, to bring it back a little bit to musical theater, it's mm-hmm. big time how I feel about um, the Tick, Tick, Boom movie that I feel like ah. we're seeing these other Jonathan Larson songs, you know, and I'm just kind of like, that's a less good lovey bohem, you know, I'd rather <laughs> just stick with Ren. I'd stick with what I know. It feels like this was the first draft and maybe we're better not knowing that this existed. You know, I felt very similarly about the new ABBA stuff, but I guess we never talked about, are you an ABBA fan outside of Mamma Mia? Um, well, I, I, I am now. Um, okay. at, at the time when I was, you know, with my idiot friends going to go see Mamma Mia and well, I think the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas is where we saw it. Um, I, I thought it was going to be fun. I, I, yeah. I, but I, I don't think I would have been able to name the four members of ABBA. Um, but, but they have a way of turning you. Uh, there's a, a story about when the Sex Pistols did their reunion tour, their Filthy Looper reunion tour. Um, before they took the stage, they played Dancing Queen. And Johnny Rotten's original thought was, we're gonna start playing Dancing Queen and the crowd is gonna go, boo, and then we'll storm out on stage because that's the kind of music we tore up take that thatcher you know in our in our uh-huh. 80s british punk way so they play dancing queen first show and the crowd starts singing along because even if you're an old gutter punk going to the sex pistols reunion tour you can't resist dancing queen yep and they never played it again because wow. they learned their lesson and i i think that's the power of abba is they're you know i'm sure there are people who can very successfully resist abba but I think they're a pretty irresistible band. Mm. Do you think that Mamma Mia, we've kind of talked about what it did to sort of the theater industry, what sort of influence there. Do you think the popularity of Mamma Mia, aside from getting us a new ABBA album, has it had an effect on American or westernized pop culture in a larger sense? Nothing immediate jumping to mind. Okay. Um, uh, well, we, I don't know the timeline well enough to know because I'm thinking in terms of film more than in terms of the stage right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did start seeing uh, all star celebrity, you know, mixed match casts doing some stage musicals that covered older stuff. Think of Rock of Ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I wonder if that's a, uh, an attempt to um, oh, look at all these famous movie stars and they're singing songs you're familiar with mm-hmm. in a, in a storyline that isn't difficult to follow. Um, but I don't know if that effect has lasted. I mean, we had a handful of those and then that kind of dried up. Right. So, uh, you know, right before we talked, I went to the Mamma Mia website um, uh-huh. just to see what's up with Mamma Mia um, still on tour in the UK still part of the princess cruise lines still wow you know and it, it's it's all over the place is you know is the cruise ship and the open air theater and the dinner theater is that is that where mama mia belongs do you think or do you think we have to bring it back to broadway someday and do it again oh i i i don't know i don't know if it'll ever be part of the encore series of the great musicals of the past um i I think i think that is kind of where it belongs there's nothing wrong with that Mm. um it it doesn't have that kind of lion king spectacle longevity right where there will be dedicated performances of it in major cities because 
um, you're not there to look at the platform boots. You're, you're there to hear the songs. And I, I think that dinner theater, community theater, cruise lines, hey, uh, there are worse ways to spend a couple of hours. Um, <laughs> Well, amazing. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. This was fascinating. No, thank you. This was a lot of fun. It was nice meeting you. You as well. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. Please make sure to purchase a copy of 50 Key Stage Musicals by visiting routledge.com or by clicking in today's show description. If you want to learn more about Mamma Mia, please also review the links in the below description. I'm Andrew Child, and thank you for listening to 50 Key Stage Musicals, the podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.